Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball season is heating up. Odyssey has you covered with the most entertaining coverage of your team. Stay locked in and in the know with the local voices you trust as they bring you unfiltered takes, recap games, react to the latest team news, and talk to callers. Listen to your favorite shows for free on the Odyssey app. Odyssey.com, your smart speaker, or in the car with Android Auto or Apple CarPlay. Congressman Joe Simpolinski. Congressman, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Congressman, let's start with what seems to be the, the, the biggest story out of Washington this week, and it started in the House, and that was the vote uh, to avert the rail strike. Uh, what was that vote on, and what possibly could have happened if this didn't pass? Yeah, if we had had a rail strike, it would have been catastrophic for the American economy. The estimates that I was presented with was a $2 billion economic loss per day. And obviously this would not only have driven prices up for everyday consumers, uh, but it would have jeopardized other jobs farther down the supply chain. Uh, The Monday of that week, so uh, a week ago uh, tomorrow, I was, just to use one example in my district, I was touring the uh, Nestle Purina plant in Dunkirk. And that's about 800 workers. And all of, or nearly all, of their uh, input into the dog food process there is delivered by rail. So you're talking about people down the line uh, being jeopardized. That's just one plant. That's just one example. And, of course, you're doing things all across the country. So we had uh, a couple votes. And basically the role of Congress was, hey, union, hey, railroads, you all can keep negotiating if you want, but we're going to tell you if you can't reach a settlement by the 9th of December, which was the the stop date, uh, we're going to impose the agreement that was negotiated uh, between the uh, railroads and the union leadership. And we're not going to allow uh, a strike uh, to occur. Now, that still let them negotiate, so let them, if they could come to some different agreement, than ours, uh, they can certainly do so, uh, but we put a backstop in place uh, to protect the American worker and protect the American economy and the American consumer. Now, Congressman, this was a uh, bipartisan vote. You, you voted along um, with many other Republicans, but there were some Republicans that voted against this. Uh, do you know what their, I know it's difficult to ask someone who voted for it what the reason for some who voted against it, but do you know why some on, there, and some Democrats also voted against this bill? Yeah, this was an unusual piece of uh, action from Congress in the sense that it sort of scrambled some of the usual left-right divisions. Uh, You had a good number of Republicans vote with it. You had a good number of Republicans vote against it. You had concerns from uh, different parts of the Democratic Party 
And so it it wasn't its usual, oh, Republicans line up one way, Democrats line up uh, another. So you had Republicans that were concerned about, you know, whether Congress should be involved at all. You had Republicans that were concerned about what would happen with the strike. You had Democrats that were concerned about uh, making sure the union got everything that the union wanted, uh, even though they were already getting a 24% pay increase. Uh, and then you had Democrats that went that were following the lead of the president who had asked them to intervene. Uh, so it was a really unusual situation, and we had a very robust discussion. We happened to have a conference that morning once a week when the House is in session. All the Republicans get together behind closed doors and just have an open discussion about what's going to happen that week. Um, conveniently, that meeting happened to be the morning of this vote. And so we were able to, you know, talk it out. And I was able to hear a lot of different perspectives from a lot of different Republican members uh, before this vote. But at the end of the day, for me, I felt I had a duty to uh, protect the American economy and protect all the workers that rely on the rail uh, delivering what they need to work, to protect the consumers uh, of our district. And uh, this was a situation where the union had gotten a really, really good deal, and they were holding out for even more. And I felt that was was very concerning. So uh, I I voted to protect, uh, uh, protect the people of my district. Now, on to a vote that happened to something else, and I don't want to ask specifics, but we did have um, Congressman Chris Jacobs earlier in the week on the station talking about assault weapons, and, you know, this comes up, it seems, every month um, we hear about this in the news. From where you're sitting in Congress, is there some type of legislation you could see when it comes to assault weapons, when it comes to guns, that could get bipartisan support? I think that'd be very difficult. Um, I know uh, Chris has taken a very uh, strong position on that issue. Uh, it's, it's a place where Chris and I have some disagreements, and, you know. And I like Chris, and, and we work together on a lot of things. But uh, we have—he's in favor of an assault weapons ban. I am not in favor of an assault weapons ban. Uh, the reason it becomes so difficult is you know, the first thing we do as members of Congress, as we take an oath to uphold the Constitution. And in my personal opinion, the Second Amendment is a very important part of protecting that Constitution. Uh, Taking rights away from people who did nothing wrong is not the solution to gun violence. Now, that's not to say that we shouldn't be working on a solution, but I would prefer solutions that get at the motivations of people who commit murder, regardless of the method they use, as opposed to uh, taking away the liberties and uh, security of those who have done nothing wrong and happen to own a similar implement to one that was used in a horrific crime. Uh, So, you know, some respectful disagreement between myself uh, and Mr. Jacobs uh, uh, on, on the way forward on this issue. And we will see. We'll see what comes up. In the House, the Democrats will control the agenda for the remaining time of this Congress until noon on January 3rd, and and we'll see what they bring up. But I would hope they would want to reach across the aisle and find some real solutions that get at the underlying motivations and deal with the problem as opposed to dealing with the symptoms.
Speaking of the House, you know, we're hearing about the leadership votes that are going on in Congress for the next term, as you said, starts January 3rd. And there's a lot of questions uh, on the right. Will Kevin McCarthy be the next speaker of the House? Um, What's your feeling uh, about a month out from uh, the next term? Do you think Kevin McCarthy will have the votes in Congress to be the speaker of the House? I've been in a very unusual position for this. Because the way it works is these are, you know, closed door meetings. There's no press there uh, when we elect leadership. Uh, but as a sitting member of Congress, I'm allowed in the room. But as a member of Congress who is not going to be a member of the 118th Congress, which convenes on January 3rd, I don't have a vote. So I'm able to be sort of this fly on the wall and watch as things develop, which has been just sort of interesting as somebody who, of course, has a great interest in, in the future of the country. And so for the speaker, just for the listeners, the speaker is very different than other leadership. We've elected our whip, we've elected our leader, uh, the, which is the third and the second positions. There's other leadership positions. And those are party positions. Whoever gets the most votes in the party becomes that title. Speaker is not a party position. Speaker is a constitutional position. And so you need a majority of the House. So at this point, um, Mr. McCarthy, his title is Speaker Designate, which basically means he is the Republican nominee for Speaker. But he's going to need to get a majority on the floor on January 3rd. Democrats certainly aren't going to vote for him. So he can only afford to lose four breakaway Republicans voting against him. That means he's got a very slim margin for error. I would say, you know, uh, Mr. McCarthy's certainly the front runner because he is the Republican nominee, uh, but he's going to have to find a way to bring on board enough people so that he doesn't lose uh, four votes. And remember, he could lose four votes to the right. He could lose four votes to the center. Um, you know, and, and if he gets to that fifth vote that he loses, uh, there would be some sort of impasse. They would have to vote again. And they just keep voting until someone gets a majority of the votes cast. So if there is some situation where five Republicans, for whatever reason, won't vote for Kevin on the first ballot, uh, it may go on for a while. But it will keep going until somebody gets the majority of the votes. And you could, I could imagine a scenario where maybe Kevin doesn't get it the first ballot or the second ballot, but it becomes clear nobody else can get a majority, and then maybe he gets it. You know, there's a lot of different ways this could play out. It would be very interesting. So I get to observe. I get to be in the room where it happens. But I don't have a say in how it happens, which is a very interesting position to be in. I'll tell you, C-SPAN, I think, would really like to see that go past one vote. They, uh, a lot of people would be tuning in. That would drive their ratings uh, way up, I would say. <laughs> yeah, Washington Journal would, uh, would break some records. Um, yes, sir. Uh, moving on to Twitter, and this is a question I'm going to ask you, and I'm going to ask Congressman Higgins the exact same question. Um, obviously, Elon Musk buying Twitter, we've heard you know a lot of back and forth uh, in the media, in Washington. Um, but on Friday, he released or he retweeted something called the Twitter files, and it makes these accusations about Twitter censoring certain things to help, um, seemingly to help uh, Joe Biden, who at the time was a Democrat candidate. You know, given that we saw for four years in Congress um, committees uh, to focus on alleged Russian collusion. Do you think this should be investigated in Washington, D.C. by Congress and Senate? Uh, absolutely, it should be investigated. 
you're talking about an extremely important piece of information. You know, the activities that the president's son were engaging in, they didn't just involve him. There's concern that you know, the president was getting kickbacks or that uh, he was trafficking in access to his father. Those are legitimate concerns, especially if they occurred while Mr. Biden was vice, vice president of the United States. So I'm always in favor of radical transparency. And the way we get that, and, and I applaud Mr. Musk, who has engaged in that transparency here over the last uh, couple of days, revealing what has uh, been going on behind the scenes at Twitter and the interactions that are happening between Twitter executives and Democratic operatives. We need to have transparency. I hope there is a thorough investigation by the Republican House majority to find out what was going on. And it is concerning that you have this major piece of information that the voters were prevented, many of them, from having access to intentionally leading up to an election. So they're acting on incomplete information. That's certainly manipulation of the electorate. Uh, and it's, uh, it's, it's not healthy uh, for democracy. So in, in short answer to your question, yes, my answer is yes. There should be a very thorough investigation uh, of this. Congressman, my final question, and I've, I think I've asked you this every time we've talked, you know, your time in Congress now, do you think uh, you might make a return in years to come? Well, you, I have learned one thing over the last couple of years, that you never know what is going to happen. In the, for the next foreseeable period of time, uh, Mr. Langworthy is going to be representing about 60% of the people that I currently represent. Uh, three of the counties will go with Congresswoman Tenney. Two of the counties will go with Congresswoman-elect Molinaro. So I have to do three transitions. The most substantial transition is between myself and Nick. Um, I am doing everything I can do to make sure that Nick is successful and to make sure that he has everything he needs to do a good job representing the new version of the 23rd. Uh, I, I'm, I voted for Nick in the November election. Uh, I, he will be my congressman, and I, I hope he uh, you know, is as, as successful as possible for the people. So it, it would have to be something where uh, there was an open seat. I'm not in the business of primarying uh, fellow Republicans. I'm a team player. That's not how I do business. Uh, I, I I don't go after other uh, Republicans. But if there were opportunities for an open seat in Congress or in the state legislature, uh, I would certainly take a very strong uh, look at that. Uh, so we'll see we'll see what happens in 24 or 26 or whatever down the road. I'm only 39 years old, which if I was a NFL player, I'd be old. But for a politician, I'm a baby. So we have plenty of time. <laughs> Sounds good. Congressman Joe Sempolinski, what we hope, even when you're out of Congress, that uh, we can still turn to you for analysis on things going on in politics. Most certainly. I'm still going to be engaged. I'm still a uh, party official. I'm the county Republican chairman of my county. I have a state party role, and I intend to be still active in, in public service. So I'm not going anywhere as far as uh, that's concerned. Sounds good. Well, I hope you have a great holiday season, and I'm sure we'll talk soon. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. 
Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.